Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 134 of the Dance Speak podcast with Noelle Bajandas. Noelle is a choreographer, dancer, teacher extraordinaire with decades in the industry and credits that include the upcoming movie, which I cannot wait to see, In the Heights, so hyped, La La Land, Cirque du Soleil's Delirium. He's worked with artists such as Madonna, 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 and Tony Braxton. If you're not already following us, be sure to add us on Instagram at Dance Speak Podcast. Rate and review the podcast. It helps us so much and we appreciate it. We also have an internship opportunity coming up. So if you are an excellent communicator with strong writing uh, skills and love everything dance, we are looking for you. Send us an email, dancepeakpodcast at gmail.com, and just put internship in the subject line. Let us know you want more details, and we will send you submission info. It starts on January 15th, but if you are hearing this after January 15th, we still want to keep you on the radar. Send us that email. I also, with my years of experience as a certified personal trainer and teacher that gives cross-training for dancers, because we need that, I am continuing my promotion of giving affordable cross-training and fitness through 2021. So I'm currently leading a program, a virtual training program, where it's about $3 average per workout. I kid you not, but very high quality. And if you want to be kept in the know for February and beyond, just shoot us an email, dancepeakpodcast at gmail.com, and put fitness in the subject line. Lastly, rest in peace, Shabadoo. A moment of silence. Shabadoo, you have contributed so much to the dance world, so much to culture, so much to the greater world, embracing dance, and we appreciate you. Everybody, please make sure to look left and right. Learn as much as you can from your teachers. Learn as much as you can from originators, from the OGs, from those that are still walking with us on this planet. And without any further ado, we are going to start episode 134. Hey guys, my name is Galit Friedlander. I've worn many hats in the dance world over the last 15 plus years and have created Dance Speak as a platform for people in the dance industry to share their stories and blueprints for success. So listen up and get ready to be inspired, learn something new, and get personal with the people behind the movements you love. Hello. Hi. <laughs> How are you doing? How are you doing? <laughs> I realized today I'm like, I don't know if I gave Noel any details about anything. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Just two o'clock today. Okay, cool. <laughs> oh my God. I would like, Okay, cool. Sure. <laughs> Thanks for being down for the adventure. I mean so you're on a podcast, okay? I'm on a podcast. Hi, guys. <laughs> hey. I'm so happy that we're doing this. And then um, I I cuss. But oh, you know what? If, if, if you curse, then hey, I'll curse with you. <laughs> yeah. My whole thing, I don't, I don't believe. Okay. There's definitely a time and a place. Kids aside, for adults, I don't believe really much, so much in censorship. Right. I feel like, so I feel like conversation is an art and I don't believe in censoring that either because if we have right. to then where are we look but- it's, it's all it's all in reaction you know if, 
Sometimes you curse because you're upset. Sometimes you just curse because you're passionate. You know. Did you know that um, if you curse, it has to be in your whatever language you speak first. But if you curse in that language, it actually helps alleviate pain. Just so you know. Shit. Let me talk this now. (laughs) If you think about it, when you get hurt, you're like, "Fuck!" It actually is helping alleviate pain. Right. Right. Well, there's a lot of. I feel like there's there's a there's a power in in profanity. Because yes. it's so taboo, it's so, oh, you can't say that. You know, in the realm of things, when, when you're not allowed to say something or when you're told you can't do or say something, then you get so much more satisfaction when you do. Yeah. You know, so psychologically, right? like when you say, hey, you know, when you, when, you, when you curse and you hit yourself or you're in pain and, or you're excited or it's like this just sort of euphoric moment or feeling that, that you get. And I like yeah. cursing. I got, I got a, the mouth of a sailor, so. Oh my God, that's so exciting. <laughs> did, did I ever share with you, I think I did once at Carnival, but did I share with you like how I knew about you before I met you? I don't know. So this I is mean, this- I, I figured it's, you know, mutual friends and because we're, we know it's, we're in the world together. Right. Well, let me tell you. so i was in kr3t's after you were and i think (laughs) and i think you had maybe just moved to la or something but you're like on the website and it was and there was another noel yeah noel rodriguez there was another noel on top of that wait i think there was a third noel there was Noel, which was me. Then there Not was the Locker Noel. Yes, there was Locker Noel. There That's was the Locker the only Noel. The only Noels in the company at the same time Wait that I remember before I left was, was Noel Rodriguez and I. Oh, my God. I'm having a brain fart. Oh. Um, it wasn't, maybe his name wasn't Noel, but he was confused for you. What is wrong with my brain? Was it Noel Free Us? No. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it was New York too. My so. brain is, oh my God, it's been so much time. His name was not Noel. I'm blanking on his name. And we, but he was, okay, I fucked up my story. His name was not no, Noel. No, it's okay. No, you didn't fuck This is like, um, I do this as a, but wait, so, he, so yeah, you did care three T's after I left. I did care three T's and I was um, mad cool with somebody who was, you two would be cast. You two would have gone to the same castings. So he was like, he was probably your height, kind of similar hair. You two don't look like each other. But if right. somebody really didn't know, and then he moved to LA, and I think people kept on thinking that he was you. And I don't know if he was living, it had literally nothing to do with you. I'm trying to remember his name now. <laughs> yeah, I'm now I'm trying to think about who. But I remember him it? and I talking about like, people think I'm Noel. And I was like, oh, Noel, I haven't met him. Like, I just knew who you were. That's my really long drawn out. <laughs> <laughs> that I That's fucked up. What was his name? He was like, he was my dance friend that I would take class, get frustrated about class while I was at Broadway Dance Center, and I'd call him and I'd be like, guess whose class I took? I no, was, you know. You have you know, one of those friends. Yeah. Right. Did you have one of those? Oh, I've had a few. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a few. And then I felt like I met you through Kumari. I don't know, being Probably. around. And yeah. we've just been cool. Uh, well, because Kumari and I have been friends since, uh, since I was eight, we were both 18. So I was in KR3Ts. She had just moved to New York and we knew each other. So as she was living with my friend, Melissa, Melissa, who was in KR3Ts when I was there. And uh, it was Melissa, Jocelyn, me. That was the group. We would hear about you. Y'all were famous. Uh, None of us lived up to you. We were the group. So when I, so Eric Negron left first because he was, he was there when I, when I joined. And then about a year later he left. Um, And that's when his career took off. 
Mm-hmm. And then when he left, then I stepped up. You know, we were all the, we, there was like four or five guys that were the main dancers. And then uh, when he left, then it was Noel, myself, Boy Boy joined. Boy Boy was like 12, maybe le- less than that. Probably, yeah, nine, maybe. He, I don't know. He was probably like nine. I think. Yeah. Was- and that's when he first joined. And Boy Boy was like, right. He would always stay next to me. Because at that point, I was me, myself, I was myself, it was Jocelyn, Melissa. We were the main dancers. And Noel. Boy Boy was like nine when, when, I, when he joined the company. And then. Uh, Wait, yeah, and then I that, left, and then Melissa uh, left, and then Jocelyn left. Yeah, and it just, we just kind of, you know, did our thing. Real quick thing. Is it, and I yeah. know this is your interview, not Boy Boys, but is it crazy? St- like, to me, I still see him when I bump into him, and I'm like, you're a man. Uh, he's, it, it drives me, it's, it's, it boggles my mind. It boggles my mind. Since, since the day we met, I just, I knew he had, he was something special. You know, I wish that I could dance as good as him. And mind you, I was probably about, seven not seven eight years older than him already you know and so even looking at him i was like damn i wish i could dance just as good as you and he was always like i want to be just like you and i'm like shit i want to be just like you <laughs> you know and then when i saw him a couple of years later i think he did uh this campaign with beyonce she had this whole thing in the cafeteria and i haven't seen boy boy in years you know i i would I, by that point i had already been on tour a few times and then i moved to la and i remember watching the video i said is that boy boy? And then at that point I said, of course, of course it is. I mean, there's, you know, he's, he's just, he's meant for whatever he's doing because you know, he's just magical. Oh my God. Uh, Amen. Yeah. And then were, were you that when you were a kid, were you that kid that people are like, what, or when did you start dancing? I, I mean, I always danced at home. It was something that, you know, I'm Puerto Rican, you know, it's a cultural thing, you know, we did, mm-hmm. right. You know, my mom would just play music at the house all the time. And, you know, I, I was the only boy for a long time. You know, I was raised with a lot of women in my life. My mom, my grandmother, my aunt, uh, my aunt's girlfriend at the time, um, my aunt's three daughters, you know, and then Noel, you know. And then, <laughs> so it was, I was heavily influenced by the females in my life, which we, we could always get into later in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we just played music. And so I was kind of forced to dance with my cousins. You know, they would have us partner, partner dance. My aunt, who was a big old party animal at the time, she loved clubbing. She was the club animal, club kid. So she just, you know, would always, she brought that energy into the, into the house and would always make me dance with my cousins. I loved being in theater when I was in school, when I was a kid. I, I remember my first, my first show was a Christopher Columbus theater show. It was a kindergarten. It was a fifth grade. And it was a Spanish show. And it was, and I remember, I still remember my lines. Mind you, this was 22 years ago and I still remember my lines. It was like one line. And you know, so I did all that growing up. I learned how to dance watching videos. I danced at home. It was, for me, it was always a social thing. For me, it was always something that we did because it was part of who we were. Did I ever see a career in it? Absolutely not. Did I, you know, did I imagine that I would be dancing now this many years later? Absolutely not. You know, it was, it was just something that we did. You know, was it something that we per that we pursued? Does that make sense? You know, we never, yeah. pers- I, you know, we never pursued it. It was just something that was part of who we were. So even even in school, I would always be the one that the, the girls wanted to come dance with. I went to all my high school dances, <laughs> every single one. I didn't. Where did you go I to high school, by the way? I went to. I was raised in Jersey, in Union City, New Jersey. Okay. And uh, it's right across from it's right, right by the city. You know, our, mm. our it's Hudson County, and so Hudson County has Union City, Jersey City, West New York, Hoboken, you know, uh, 
and it's pretty much an extension of New York. You know, it, it doesn't feel like Jersey. You know, you're literally looking at the city from, from your house. You're, you're living in that space. Yeah, I went to Emerson High School. Mm-hmm. And uh, my aunt went to Emerson when I was born. She graduated when I was uh, born. And then I graduated. And then my brother graduated a couple of years after. Oh. And, uh, and I went to all my, all my dances. I remember going to every party from grammar school to middle school to high school. I went to every dance every single dance and I just I lived my entire life it's first time I seen ciphers first time being in a space with a DJ and of course because I lived in that urban environment where I grew up it's all Latino it's all black it's all you know it's it's the most uh, multicultural city the most condensed multicultural city in Jersey you have everybody from El Salvador it's you know, South American uh, from everywhere I mean it's just it's you know if you speak English you're the minority <laughs> Honestly, you know, and so all my friends, every single one of us, that's just what we did. And all the girls wanted to dance with me whenever the salsa came up. Salsa and all the Latin stuff, they would always want to come and dance with me. It was cool. That was my training ground. I always say that's my my upbringing in music and and dance with my family and and how I grew up and in school. That that was my my training ground to kind of jumpstart my, uh, what would eventually become my career. And then how did, oh, so beautiful. I'm like there with you. I'm in the past right now. And then. <laughs> Me too. I just went, I went back. <laughs> I love it. And what was that, what was that transition like, you know, from dancing with fa- like family functions and at school? This is how you can tell I've been in LA for a long time, family functions. Nobody says function on the East Coast. Right. <laughs> um, although I'm sitting in the East Coast right now. But, right. <laughs> but what was that transition like? when you learned techniques that you're getting in the studio, when you, did you find that it was easy to dance clean or? Well, first I wanted to be a chef. That was my, that was my career choice. You know, even though I danced, my whole focus was I'm going to college to be a chef. I'm going to, I'm going to cook for the, for the stars. I'm going to own my own restaurant. You know, it was, you know, I went, I ended up uh, after high school, um, I ended up going to Johnson and Wells university in Providence. And that's, it has one of the best culinary schools in the country. And I joined a dance company up there. It's so funny. You know, it's like dance just followed me as I was pursuing other stuff. And, uh, and I joined a company up there. We did, you know, we did hip hop and we did stepping. So I learned how to step as well up in, in college. And also in high school, I did ROTC. So I did um, the dance programs in my school. There was never really a dance program unless you were doing cheerleading or drillettes or, and that kind of stuff just never really excited me. But ROTC, for some reason, you know, because of the structure and the discipline and and we were still sort of in groups and in formations and, you know, it was very disciplined, but there was a, a, an artistic side of it that I, that to this day, it's, it supported my, my craft. And then uh, when I left high school, when I left college, because I couldn't finish culinary school because it was too much money. Mm-hmm. And uh, I came back home. I started working in Pathmark. I don't know if you know what Path- remember Pathmark? It's a mm-hmm. supermarket, right? Mm-hmm pushing carts and one of the girls was like hey you know do you know and i'm gonna i'm gonna segue into how i met Kara three t's and oh then this God. is when i started this is how i started dancing in studios because i didn't really enter a studio per se to train until i was 18 years old you know and so at that point i, I already knew how to dance i guess in my own way you know i knew how to pick up choreography quickly so i met this girl she was she worked at the path market she was like hey do you want to do you like to dance i was like yeah she was you want to join a dance you want to come see a dance company i was like sure <laughs> so she took me to the city it was the first time i at that time that i was going to the city i went to the city by myself she took me to k3t's and i saw them and i was like oh, i want to do this <laughs> and so i joined k3t's as a mean to as a means to 
kill time until I went back to college. Um, <laughs> I never went back. I never, I never went back, you know? So to answer your question, you know, I dancing it. That was the first time I was, I, I joined a company where training was a, a thing. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, okay, we're, we're going to work on your craft. We're going to work on shows. We're going to work on this. We're going to, we're going to, it was easy for me. It was mm. absolutely easy. You know, I, I think I've had it pretty easy in my, throughout my career because of my own personal training as a child and of my upbringing. I think if I would have trained in a dance studio, it would have been different. I think I wouldn't have had uh, as much of a drive and as much of a natural innate ability to do what I was able to do for these last 20 something years. Um, because it, it all came from a, an internal passion. It came from something that I wanted to do. It came from something that I developed myself. It came from a natural instinct as opposed to being told what to do and how to do it and looking at myself in the mirror all the time. I didn't have that. It was a feeling. Mm. And so the feeling was always what drove my ability. And, you know, when I joined KI3Ts, it was, that's what took me there. That's what made me, that's what put me in that place was, you know, she didn't have to do much with me. You know, a lot of people throughout my career never had to do much with, with me because I can get into a room and naturally just go, okay, what do you want? What do you need? I remember that, you know, that saying, fake it till you make it. You know, I've done that my, almost my entire career. And it's, it's bad saying that, but, you know, it wasn't as if I was mocking any style or thinking that I can do everything. It just was easy to do it. And so when it was easy for me to go ahead and take classes in any style, I approached it with a sense of power that translated in a way where people understood it. Now, the if you would look at it, you know, if you with the naked eye, you can't really tell if I'm doing anything right, wrong, you know, until you get somebody who can really pinpoint, okay, work on your foot here. Let's let's connect your spine here. Let's and all they had to do was minor tweaks and I go, oh, that makes sense. Because for me, it was like, I did it because I did it. I never had a, uh, there was never a technique or structure for how I did it. Wow. And I understood that. I started to understand that as I was training, starting at 18. My training came in my career. You know, that's where my training came in. You know, I, I did Cirque. We had to take ballet. And I was like, ah, oh, ballet. Like I never, I hate ballet. Mind you, I never really took ballet. And so when I was taking it, I was able to understand everything that I was doing my entire life, you know? And so it was a different, it was different. And, uh, and I, and understanding it uh, at a later time in my life, I think helped me stick with my style and my, and my, in the way that I dance while also injecting those, the, the techniques, the right techniques and the right tools to make it better. That's amazing. You make me wonder if I have a theory, cause there's a few people I've interviewed that speak similarly, but it's, it's definitely a minority of the people that I interview or know. And I feel like some people just have such amazing body awareness also. I wonder if it's like, it's just kind of your genius. It's that's a gift it's, with it. It's, honestly, and I've, I've baffled myself my entire career, my entire life, you know, especially, but especially in the 20 years that I've been professionally dancing. I've had choreographers who, contemporary choreographers, I've had, you know, I've worked with Mia Michaels since the age of 21, 22. Again, I was just a street kid. I just did street dance. I had no mm -hmm. armor awareness, no body awareness. I just threw myself. And for her to see that and go, you know, somebody who's such a technician, somebody who works with technicians and just go, you know, come here, you start to realize, wow, maybe I do have a gift. Maybe I do have this innate ability to just do what I'm asked to do.
without any kind of hesitation. I think it's important to know that you can train yourself and your body to learn these techniques, but if there's no freedom within that, then it's just technique. You know, and I think because I've always had the freedom to do it, initiating or adding the technique to that was super easy. Oh my, I love that. And, and for like a Mia Michaels or I've seen you with Brian Friedman. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, Walter Painter, Tony Basil. Uh, you know, these are all people that I've worked under, you know, and, and, I, and I've... And yeah, for, for all of them, sorry to cut you off, but all of them that have the strong, like also jazz and maybe more ballet background, do you feel like they were a little bit more, not detracting from anything, a little bit more forgiving? Like, okay, because there was... Or were there points where they were like, you know, Noel, well, how was that? Um, I think they were, to be honest, for, for the most part, they were usually more forgiving, you know, because it was, I remember one time I was working with, uh, I was assisting Mia on season five of So You Think, and it was myself, Chaz, I think Ben Susak, Ryan Ramirez, you know, they're all technicians, you know, and then you have me coming in like, blah, you know, uh, <laughs> and um, we went in she had me show some stuff. She goes, oh, no, I'll show, show them what I want. But then she told them, she goes, look at the way he's doing it. Don't look at his feet. <laughs> Don't pick out the, uh, the least obvious. Just look at how he's doing it. She never expected me, her and a lot of other ones, never really expected me to be perfect in the, in the technique. They just wanted me to deliver what needed to be done. But they also knew that I was able to manipulate my body to make it fit the technique. And so mm -hmm. if I needed to point my foot and turn that out, I can do that in the process. If I needed to align my spine and center and pull up, I can do that. Mm -hmm. If I, you know, if I needed to turn, I can do that within the process, you know, but for them, they were never worried about my ability to, to live, to deliver. That's amazing. You know, and I think that's always been my career. It's no one can deliver. And so he's easy to work with and we could always tweak those things out. And they also knew my strengths. So they always played off my strengths, which made it easy. I love it. And then I want to ask you some questions just because you have such a variety in your background and your career. So I'm going to go a little bit different here. And if you, yeah. you know, need to take a moment to pause, I can always cut it out. But who are a few of, because you're such a masterful teacher, and I always look at people that do really well. And I'm always curious about part of like, not that there's one way to do it, but part of their recipe. So right. if you could speak on out of all of your mentors, who are a couple of mentors that taught you something that was like a, ma like a major takeaway? Yeah. What was uh, that well, takeaway? First, mm -hmm. first of all, thank you for calling me a masterful teacher. Yeah. Um, you know, I, coming from New York and coming from a, mm -hmm. a very, uh, uh, you know, that sort of old school mentality, because a lot of my teachers are from New York. And I wouldn't consider myself a master, mm -hmm. but I think that developing what I've developed my, in, throughout my career is what I do. You know, I've developed a, a way to do things in a way that works for me. And I have my own particular voice. And so I could say that I've mastered the way that I do what I do. And again, that's just one of those things that, you know, growing up old school, you're just like, no, I'm not a master yet. I got to wait another 20 years. No, that's you know? respectful. Uh, but I would say, absolutely. yeah, you're yeah. when I and I know this is talk is so cheap. I'm looking back at all those years in L.A. and I have a promise to myself, no regrets, because I was where I was going through what I was going through, but there were so many teachers, including yourself, that I was like, I remember taking your class and it was just so much fun and it like felt so good. And I'm always like, I want to go back. And every teacher does not need to hear, oh, I'd love to take your class. I'm going to go back soon. 
but there's yeah. so many teachers and now it's like studios are shutting down and I'm like, fuck, I know, it's crazy. but, but all that to say, when you teach it's, you know, when somebody has been doing something and they've clicked into themselves and they've done it yeah. a bunch of times and yeah. they like, they got yeah. this. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I've, you know, my whole journey has always been to master myself, you mm-hmm. know, not master anything else. I'm not trying to master a style. I'm not trying to ma- I'm trying to master what I do. How do you and, do that? How do you master yourself uh, if there's no you? Oh, sorry. If there's uh, no you besides you, there we go. You have to look in yourself. You have to understand what makes you you. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, you have to understand what makes you you, what makes you tick, what drives people to you. You have to look at your weakest points. You have to look at your strongest points. There's a sense of self-awareness that you that you have to, or at least that I've taken upon myself to no, and to you know, I I when when I started teaching, I, I never I wasn't teaching. I, you know, I was I was teaching in care three T's, but it was like I was teaching combos and stuff like that right. for the company. But when I really started teaching classes at like twenty, at like nineteen twenty, I was teaching private lessons to like Wall Street workers. You know, people who had no idea how to dance. Mm-hmm. And so, whereas right now you have a lot of people who are who who claim the title as teacher. They're, they're giving you combinations. They're putting you in a room and, and they're giving you something that they want you to look good doing or hoping that you look good doing or something that is there in their creative mind that they want to just put out there. I didn't have that when I start, first started teaching. So when I was teaching, it was giving people tools to help them understand music, help them understand their body, help them understand stuff that I knew how to do on my own that mm-hmm. I've developed on my own from growing up dancing in, in my world. Mm-hmm. So rhythm, you know, just style, musicality, a two-step, you know, a step touch, you know, a ball change. You know, those are things that I knew how to do. And, and those are things that you can take in, in multiple forms and create a dance out of it. You know, and so when I was teaching dance, I was actually teaching things that help people how to connect to themselves as a dancer rhythmically. And stylistically, it wasn't about combinations. It wasn't about being creative. You know, it was just about teaching somebody. And so I think by doing that, I started to, that planted the seed in, in really me figuring out what I was good at. Do you know what I mean? And so Mm -hmm. I always knew that I can choreograph. I I knew that I can do that. I knew that I could dance, but what are the things that, that outside of that, that people were being attracted to, but also things that were helping them as an individual, you know, cause that's what it is as a teacher, as a dance teacher, as, as a teacher in general, you know, your, your, your job is to show somebody things that are going to make them better, you yeah. know, a better human, a better person, a better artist, a better, whatever, you know, that's, that's our job as, as educators. And so what are the things that you possess that somebody else can grasp and make themselves better? And so bringing it back around, what yeah. is, so who are one or two of your mentors that have like made an impact on your life and what's a major takeaway from them? I know I'm just throwing it. Oh, no, I'm just okay. so curious because you've had uh, such a variety. I would say first and foremost, Mia Michaels. She made me see the world differently. Tell me how. In a way that I never thought I would. Um, okay, this is, uh, this is a story time. Okay. okay. One, of, one of my favorite stories to tell. Okay. And I, you know, and when her and I talk, it's like, I always tell her, you know, you really did change my life. I had just joined Clear Talent 2005. This was, I think I joined August or September 2005. And they had a, me- a 
a one year anniversary party somewhere in the city. And so I went and, you know, we're having a good time. It's like open bar, we're drinking and, you know, and I don't know if you know tech, remember tech? I don't know if, if, if tech, uh, yeah, uh, dance hall. So, yeah, so tech. <gasps> he was so good. Sorry. Uh, he was my homie still to this day. <laughs> oh um, my God. So him and I were hanging out and he was like, hey, do you know about this audition uh, tomorrow for me and Michaels? And I was like, who the fuck is me and Michaels? You know, again, I was just like 21 year old, like, who's that? You know, at that point, you know, Mia was already Mia. You know, she had already done certain things. She had worked for Prince, was on. I mean, she was already who she was. You know, she had her company. And, uh, and she was, he was like, well, you know, there's an audition for her tomorrow for this, for a Greek artist. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll go, whatever. And so I show up hungover, hung the fuck over with like these, like this baggy sweatshirt and like these baggy sweatpants. And I walk into this room and I walk into this room full of the most prestigious dancers I ever laid my eyes on. I mean, from Ailey, from Juilliard. I mean, they were just like, and I'm going, mind you, hungover with this, you know, I was like maybe a hundred pounds soaking wet. That's how you know, skinny I was. And just baggy ass clothes. And I'm going, oh, no, I don't belong here. This is not where I belong. But fuck it, I'm already here, so I'm just gonna do it. So Cindy Salgado was assisting her at the time. And so she starts the combo. And I'm just like doing this movement and going, what the fuck is this i've never taken a ballet class i took a ballet class once when i was nine years old because my aunt used to be a ballerina and i hated it and i said i'm never going back again so i didn't know what this movement was it was contemporary i had no idea what this was i was never introduced to this i didn't know what it was i've seen it but i've never done it and so she has me doing this this stuff and i'm going okay cool no i'll just do it just go for it do what you do and again this is when the whole dance was always easy for me Okay, I'm just gonna go for it. I remember one time the last move was we, you know, she has this jump back onto our legs on the floor, and I'm going, I'm gonna break an ankle. Like this woman is crazy. <laughs> we do it, we do it, we do it, we do it, we do it. People are getting cut. I'm getting capped. I'm going, okay, cool. Maybe I'm doing something right. At that time, crumping had just become this thing, and she, I remember her saying, you know, I want to see some crumping. Mind you, I've never crumped a fucking day in my life. You know, uh, Rise had just come out, you know, mm-hmm. and so that was the only the only uh, reference I had of crumping. So I go in there, I'm like, I can do it, fine. I start throwing my body around like a fucking maniac. I'm going, oh, whatever, I'm just going to do it. I finished the audition, and the artist comes up to me. She goes, who are you? And I was like, oh, my name's Noel. And the artist was there, and, and Mia goes, well, you got the call back, and I want you to come back. And I was like, oh. Really? Right? And so she introduced me to this world of movement that I've never done. And being in a room full of these dancers, just I was like, oh, well, I could, in my mind, I never thought I could keep up. And now I'm keeping up in a way that, that they aren't even delivering what, I, what they're, you know, it's, it was just, it was just mind blowing. I get the call back and she has this, you know, if you're in the room with Mia, she makes, she just does these things and these exercises that you go, what? what? I never thought of dance that way. I never thought about closing my eyes and moving. I never thought about imagining that I'm this creature or that I'm walking across a room on a, on a conveyor belt while getting electrocuted. Like those are things that she would say that we would have to do. And it changed my world. It changed my world. I booked the job. Mind you, I, that, was, that was a job. That was a job that took me out of New York. 
you know? Wow. And, and I booked the job and I booked it with Albert Katafi, Teddy Forens, who are both contemporary dancers, marvelous, and myself who were the street dancers, and then Ruthie, uh, Ruthie and Kay Howe, who were the female dancers. You know, it's my first major, major situation outside of KR3Ts and with an agent and outside of the country. I had to get my, you know, uh, I had my passport already and we went to Greece for five months. But being in that room with her changed my whole perspective of dance. That was the moment that it, that it changed. I said, oh, I can do anything. I can do anything. And I can't just stay. I don't just have to stay in my world. I can actually go ahead and do more than what I thought I can do. This woman literally switched in my brain. And the world, it was like all Pandora's box opened. And she made me really believe that I can do anything. She, she changed my world. If it wasn't for that moment, for that audition, it, I, would, I don't think I, I, I don't know, but I, it probably would have taken a lot more longer for me to realize my full potential and realize that, I, that there was a whole other world out there that I wasn't aware of. And um, so, yeah. And then I've worked with her for years after that and she's hired me on jobs and, you know, it's a, it was a special moment for me. And then another person, I don't know. I think, you know, I've been working with Tony Basil for the last 11 years. I work with her as a, as a, as an assistant. I work with her as a collaborator. I work with her, you know, it's, and I think with her, she really, she trusts me. You know, she trusts me. Being in Tony's world is a, is a journey. It's an experience. You know, you look, you're talking about somebody who has lived through decades of dance. She has seen dance evolve. She has de- seen music change dance. She has, she has seen dance change music. You know, she has taught me things of the industry that I thought I knew, or at least knew, but didn't know how to, she, she didn't know how to really dive into it in a detailed manner. Mm-hmm. Um, and just recently, we've been doing a lot of 60s uh, stuff. Yeah. And so we, yeah, I, I assisted her on um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood mm. with uh, uh, Quentin. And so I ran her auditions and uh, with the choreography and, and she introduced me to the world of 60s go-go. And I tell you, it's, you know, it's crazy because, again, she's lived through dance. Her life is dance. Mm-hmm. And the, the amount of knowledge this woman has, it's, she really is a, a, we need to put her brain into some kind of institute of something because it's it honestly is a it's a relic her brain is a is a, is a national treasure <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh uh, mm-hmm. yeah so you know so i would say i would say i would say those two in in two very different times of my career mm-hmm. you know it was uh, mia in the beginning towards the beginning and tony in the middle of it so beautiful you know? with it i just i want to know i want to know and then <laughs> I want to ask you about Cirque, and then I'm going to ask you about In the Heights. Is that cool? Absolutely. Dope. So Cirque is such, it's such a unique force. I'm really sad about, you know, what's been happening with the pandemic. And right. they, they just have so, I, I say it, so much life force, and they've really made something happen that in the U.S. I, I don't see, so, and it's global. Um, another company like that. So being in their sphere, what are a couple of takeaways that you got from that? And I know I'm asking for takeaways, which is broad, but I always feel like every great experience has some like lessons in there, has yeah. some, oh yeah, this is why they're great. So yeah, yeah. one or two on that. 
Uh, well, I ran away with the circus, and I was crazy. <laughs> Wait, tell me, <laughs> why like, was it? You like ran I'm away, like, Ma? I'm like, Ma, I ran away with the circus. Uh, uh, when we got back from Greece, uh, uh, Mia got called on to to choreograph the show, mm-hmm. and when we got back from Greece, she hired Teddy and I right away. So we mm-hmm. we got onto the show, um, and. I would say the biggest takeaway for me in that show was the, it was it was the first time a company saw me as an artist. Mm. I wasn't a backup dancer, you know. It was um, you know for our entire career as dancers, or for most of the for most of it, we're striving to be to dance behind artists, to be the secondary part of the show or of the project when we're really the most important part, one of the most important parts of the project or the show. When it came with Cirque, we were the show. So the dancers, the musicians, the acrobats, people came to watch us. They didn't come to see an artist with us dancing behind. So it was the first time that I realized that, wow, I'm an artist. And I need to look at myself that way. I need to pursue my, my career in that way. I need to understand what I possess. You know, I, had, I got health insurance for the first time on my own with a company. They were... Uh, in which Cirque they have, um, what do you call those? Um, doctors on with us, there's physical therapists. You know, you're being taken care of. Mm-hmm. You know, something that we saw the artists always getting and not us. And so that was the key thing that I got from Cirque was that. And two, uh, I would say the, the amount of friendships that I made and also the amount of the, amount of the world that was in that show. The whole world was in that show. The entire world from every parts of the globe was in that show. And so, you know, we were traveling the world, but the world was in, we, we were the world. Mm-hmm. And so it was a beautiful thing to connect with that many cultures and people from so many parts of the world and really see what they do and, and really see them live in their truth. Because for a lot of people, Cirque is their end all be all, you know, for a lot of our artists around the world. You know, they, they strive to be in that space and to live there forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw so much commitment and, and drive uh, and artistry from these people because this is what they were striving for to be a part of for the rest of their lives. You know, with me, I was like, I just want to keep on. I, okay, I'm done with this. I'm ready for the next thing. I'm ready for the next mm-hmm. thing. You know, I'm, I was such a, you know, my brain was always going. And, um, but yeah, I would say those are, those are the two main key things I got from Cirque. And Cirque is so elite and there are so many hardworking, talented people out there. Is there something that you could put your finger on that maybe people that were booking Cirque have that really had them all get through everything, the physical demands, the mental, and then booking it in a sea of other Cirque hopefuls? Well, this could go for any job. Yeah, right. I would say from my experience with Cirque, my, my, audition process I'll say or my casting process was very different than, than your normal Cirque process yeah. you know Cirque does like a three-day audition you know you're doing acrobat- acrobatics you're doing dance you're doing you know it's it there's it's it's intense and they're like they're, they're hours a day when we came in we were replacing two other people that were injured and so the process was only one day and we just had to learn the combination that Mia gave us even though we already we, we were already booked the casting director needed to see us and so mm-hmm. we um you know, we did what Mia, you know, we did some improv, we did the combination. And it was so funny too, because funny story, 
So one of the moments was every single one of us at the end of the audition, we had to go in front of the um, walk around the room, go in front of the casting director, slate ourselves, and then do a split front, a split to the left, and a split to the right. I don't split. I don't have <laughs> any kind of stretch at all whatsoever. And I, everybody's going in there giving you like hyperextended stretches, and I'm like, oh fuck, like I'm not gonna get. I'm, this is horrible. So I go in there and I literally go, hi, my name's Noah Bahandas. Da da da. I go and I do the front split. I'm like, this is this is the. Split. <laughs> I Y'all, go. We're, this is a 45 degree angle right now right. for the audio. So, so so this is what I say. So this is yeah. So so I'm going. This is all you're gonna get. I go to my left. I go to my left side. This is all you're gonna get. I go to my right side. This is all you're gonna get. I scoop myself back up and I go, thanks, and I walk out. And I booked it. I mean, because it was already it was already given that I was getting the job. But when you're on the show, and and there's a the one thing I think that everybody in Shirk has is a sense of individuality. That is number one. You know you just can't be afraid to go there. You know, you can't be afraid to think outside the box. You can't be afraid to feel stupid and foolish and just grand and quirky. And, you know, you just can't. There's, you, just, you have to go in there with such an open space and an open mind. And everybody in any Cirque environment goes in with that. And if they don't have it, they will eventually develop it. But I think that's the number one key, you know? And then also, you know, it, it, when you're doing a, a, a Cirque show, a residential Cirque show, you know, you're doing about seven, eight shows. It's like Broadway. And so, yeah, you need the stamina. Your body needs to be healthy. You need to be on point. You need to watch yourself. You need to watch what you eat. You need to watch, you know? And so there's, there's that as well, because it is a very demanding job. It was a cool time, I'll tell you. That's amazing. And then I always say, that's amazing. That's great. I need to go through a thesaurus and just find other <laughs> words for that. You know what's funny? I bought a thesaurus because of that, because <laughs> I wanted to expand my vocabulary, my verbiage, because I, we always go back to the same words, but it's okay. You know? <laughs> for it, so in the Heights, I even got emotional seeing the trailer because I saw all these people who I know. And for you to go through the journey of growing up in the tri-state area, going to LA, going, we haven't even gotten into, and we probably won't today, but like all of the, the highs and the lows that probably come along with it. And then booking something back in, you know, New York, repping. Yeah. What was that like for you? It was, uh, I mean, we had auditions here in LA and, uh, and you know, we made it through and, and, and they auditioned hundreds of people here. So then to let us know that they weren't taking anybody from LA, you know, it was one of those. Oh, we are, we're, we're auditioning, we're picking people, but we're not flying anybody out, you know? And so, oh. you know, and I think it's just, it was just production and, you know, they didn't want to put the money in and whatnot. And so they were just like, let's just do locals from New York. So a lot of people from LA flew to New York on their own dime just mm -hmm. to do it. It's, it's a big, it's, it was a big deal. The ones that really flew out to do it were the ones that are, that were from New York, that were from that, that grew up in that, you know, with that, within that world. I wasn't going to do that. I say, you know what? I'm a firm believer that if it's whatever's for me, it's for me. And I did my part here. And if I so happen to be in New York while they're still filming, then, hey, I could always reach out. So it happens that I ended up going to New York for, uh, for the summer just for, because I like being in New York for the summer. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, wait, are they still filming in the Heights? Boom. So I called Chris and I was like, hey, Chris, I'm, 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 I'm here or I'm, I'm going to go there in about a couple of weeks. 
let me know if you still need me. You know, if you need me to be an extra or help you behind the scenes. You know, I just wanted to be part of the process since I'm already there. Never got back to me. I go watch a show that my homegirl Ruthie was a uh, associate choreographer on. And who do I see online was uh, Megan Lawson and Dana, uh, Dana Wilson. Dana's like, what are you doing here? I was like, I'm here just for fun. She goes, does Chris know you're here? And I said, well, I messaged him weeks ago. She goes, how long are you here for? And I said, well, I'm here probably for like another month. She goes, just wait. That was Friday. Monday, I got a phone call from Chris. Hey, buddy. So I, I heard you're, you're in town. I was like, guy, I fucking messaged you like weeks ago. He goes, let me know if you want to uh, do a scene on Wednesday. We're doing the opening scene on Wednesday. And I was like, sure. That was Monday. He sent me videos Tuesday night. I had to learn four different dance routines, which I didn't even learn until the morning of the shoot because I couldn't learn it that night. So I had to show up at 9 a.m. And I did fitting. I filled my paperwork. And then I, you know, they, they, were, they were holding us in this church because we were shooting the opening scene in the middle of Washington Heights. And I learned all, I learned this, this Latin routine, these two street routines. And I was like, and you should have seen me. I'm going, you know, and if you know Chris Scott's work, you know, it's, it's <laughs> you know, he's, he's hitting the 80 on the one, on the two, on the 80, and I get to so many ants. And I'm going, I, I, this is crazy. So I'm learning all of these. And then Dana comes up to me, she goes, hey, so um, there's another part of the routine that I want you to learn. Can you learn? And I said, yeah, sure. She goes, it's a tapping routine. And I said, Dana, you know I don't tap, right? She goes, yeah, but I believe in you. It's okay. <laughs> right. Laugh. And I was like, you what? Okay, cool. Why not? Sure. Mind you, I have high taps on. And I'm learning a tapping routine off the video. <laughs> right, right. Again, this is Noel Bahanda's you know, living his entire career, just doing what, you know, just, just faking it, going for it, embodying dance in such a way that it was easy. And people knew that people, they knew if I could just tell Noel to do this, he's going to do it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, and that's, what's always been my career. Noel can deliver as long as you, you know, he can do it. And because I've always, I was always a quick learner. I can learn things literally within minutes. Oh and then go, go ahead and do it. You know, my brain works that way. You know, it's, mm -hmm. always, it's always worked that way. You know, at, at least for dance. You know, everything else, you know, it's different. But for dance, it's just always been, it's an instinctual thing. You know, I think that's something that, you know, and I'm, I'm going off here. It's, I think okay. that's, that's a part of something that is important to remember um, as an artist or as a dancer is you got to follow your instincts and you have to really trust what you possess and not question what you're being asked to do. Even though if you're, if you're shitting your brains out, you know what I mean? And when I say that, I mean, you know, you're, 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 you're frazzled and you're trying to figure out, oh, can I do this? Can I not do this? You know, just go for it. And if you can't, figure it out. That's always been like, figure it out, you know? And so I had to figure it out. And I figured, I had to figure it out in an hour because we were shooting. So I learned four routines that morning to shoot in the middle of Washington Heights in the sidewalk in like 100 degree weather. Plus tap. Um, Plus I mean, like, like just, and on, do, you on concrete. do you have, that's crazy. Do you have photographic memory? Like, um, <laughs> I don't know, maybe. <laughs> Damn, yeah, that's crazy. impressive. And to not be thrown off by the camera, even if you've done, is it just that you've done so many jobs in front of the camera? Yeah. When again, I could, I could, I could probably go back to when I was in high school and being an ROTC and always having this disciplinary 
sort of mentality like, okay, you have to, you know, we went ROTC, we would have to stand there for an hour straight looking forward without moving. It was, you know, we had to learn how to flip rifles without dropping them. You know, it was, the, I, I think I could always, I think I can go back to that and really pay homage to that and, and, and say that it was a, a huge part of in building my professionalism in my, in my field. And I also knew that I was always going to be put in with dancers who were more knowledgeable than I was. Mm -hmm. And so I always made it a thing to make sure that I walked in knowing what I knew. So I was never questioned on, on my ability. You know, and that was always me because I didn't grow up. I didn't go to school for dance. My school to, for dance was my career. Mm -hmm. And I always made sure that I walked into a room without being questioned about my ability or my knowledge. You know? And so it was, uh, it was figure it out. <laughs> Let's figure it out. Oh my and goodness. it was, and it was always, you know, if people offer me a job or a position and let's say I've never done it before. I always said, yes, I would say yes. Again, I knew my ability and I knew that I could figure it out. And you know, you just don't say no. You just don't say no to a job. You don't say no to an opportunity because it's, a, it's, you can learn a lot from it. I agree. And, and you can surprise and you can surprise yourself. I tell you the amount of times I've surprised myself and going, ah, like the tapping moment, you know, I got hired on two tapping jobs, <laughs> one for crazy ex-girlfriend for uh, with cat, uh, cat, yeah, cat burns. Kevin Burns, yeah. And, um, and, uh, and for in the Heights and cat knew I didn't tap. And she was like, I, just, I believe in you. So <laughs> you know, it's crazy. I feel like the dance jobs I've done, I always was brought in last minute and it was never for anything that I actually do. Like ever, for anything I actually do, I probably, I just don't read as what I don't know. I just felt like it was, you know, a joke for with Up Above and me, just we're going to throw you in. Right. And you know what's cool is that after you do it, after you put in that position, then you go, oh shit, I got to learn this now. Yeah. And so then now you put yourself in a position to really understand what it takes to technically accomplish what needs to be accomplished for the next time. You know, and I think that's been my, that's been my dance career has been, they put me in positions and doing things that I've never done before, which then ignited something in me to want to learn more about it. Yeah. And you know, super um, indulgent question. I'm completely curious for myself. I have, I'm looking at being more bi-coastal. I have always had a fear of leaving the momentum that I've built in LA to spend some time in New York, but I just love recharging in New York. Do you have any thoughts on that? Because, you know, like, have being someone who would go to New York for three months in the summer, two months, any yeah. thoughts on that period? Uh, I, I love to travel. Mm -hmm. And I think it's one of those things where I feel like if you love to get on the flight, you like to get on the train, yeah. you like to, you know, it's then, then it, it's, it's easy. Were you scared to lose I, work being mostly based in LA or? There was a time that I was, mm -hmm. you know, being in LA and then wanting to go back to New York for a few months or, um, I always thought I was going to miss something. But then I eventually realized that it's a flight away. It's that easy. If I need to go back, I go back. It's not that difficult. Mm -hmm. you know, it's not that difficult. We, we make things so much more than what it is in our brains because it's 3,000 miles away. You know, or, or, but when you really look at the, the, the simplicity of it, okay, cool. I need to go back home, book a flight, go back home, boom. And then that's it. So that's where I'm at now in my life is I'm based in LA. But I've traveled so much and I've realized how easy it is to just go and come back. And, and super, uh, oh, sorry. Mm -hmm. No, no, go for it. Super indulgent second follow-up. So like right now, I have 
like clients and stuff in LA, but none of them are saying come here for a specific date. They're just kind of like, are you around? And so I don't know if once I get to LA, if they're like that work is there or not. And I'm kind of enjoying myself in New York. So when it's like a maybe, I don't know if you ever had that and it's not a solid, like, what do you do with that? Book me on the job and then I'll go. Mm -hmm. It's simple as that. If you're going to spend your own dime to get somewhere, you're not going to reimburse me. Mm-hmm. You know, and these are things that you learn in, 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 in your life. It's like, you know, you, you can't you, you can't make drastic decisions on a maybe. Unless you really feel in your gut that it's, it could possibly happen, then that's on you. You know, then you make that decision. But it's, it's a wrong or right decision. No, it's just a decision that you just have to go in and figure it out. But, you know, for me, I need to know I got the job. Yeah. Book me. Yeah. Moving more into teaching over here in that yeah. it's like it's not it usually it's different than when they're like it's from this to this date it's a little bit more like are you around we're thinking of you i'm like <laughs> okay well you think of me when you want to book me that's it and you know what the deleted we we we've lived so much of our of our careers holding on to to hope and holding mm-hmm. on to the what ifs because we love what we do so much and because we want to succeed and because we want to do more we're always willing to be the first ones to jump at an opportunity, even before the opportunity is given to us. And, and that's okay. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's okay until a certain, uh, until a, it, hits a, it hits a certain point. Um, because then at that point you go, well, you know what? I love doing what I do and I also want to have these opportunities, but I'm also, you know, I have a life and I got to be a realist. You know what I mean? And if I'm doing good here, then I'm doing good. And, you know, the, the, you, in that space and time, you start to figure out other things that you're good at, other things that you can make a living doing, other things that make you happy. And then you, you slowly but surely start to let go of that, that attachment to this world of, oh, I need to be a part of it. You don't need to be a part of it because you, once you grow up, you know, because being in a dance world is like, you're, you're, it's like growing up again. Because we're always, you're always feeling like you're going to miss the next best thing or you need to join a, a certain clique or a group to be part of something. And, and it's always this. And you lose your sense of, of, of self in that. You lose your sense of, of responsibility and your sense of making these, these decisions, like hard decisions. But they're not hard, you know? It's like concrete decisions. You know, it's not hard to go, okay, no, I don't want to do that. When you get to the point where you can do that comfortably with confidence, and not be such an asshole when you do it, you start to realize that people start to respect you more because then they start to see you as, oh, this person is sitting in their skin. This person is, is, is living in their truth. This person is not stressed about what the next thing is going to be or what we're going to offer them. You know, mm-hmm. it, they, they start to look at you as an entity, you know, mm-hmm. and not just another part of this cycle. You know, and that's what it is. Like we're, we're part of this cycle. And when you can detect, you, you start to, you know, you're growing within that cycle. And once you, once you figure out that that cycle is toxic, <laughs> you go, okay, cool. I think I'm ready to let that go now. Amen. I'm going to um, round it out with a few kind of quick questions-ish around creativity in the future. You ready? Yeah. You I'm, have just like rapid, I'm just like rapid question. There's like, I'm so bad at rapid fire. Cause I'll be like rapid fire. What's the meaning of life? Like you can't rapid fire that. So these aren't really, these are like medium fire because they're not right. truly rapid fire questions. Yeah. Yeah. You, uh, you have these brilliant photo shoots and videos that you do concept videos. 
what is, if you were to like outline it, what's your process with that? Cause I always look at it and I'm like, damn, how, that's a lot of work. <laughs> like how, and like, then it's all together. Like, is he just, does he live in Pinterest? Like, um, you know, number one, um, I would say surround yourself with people that inspire you, mm-hmm. you know, and, and believe in, in, in what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my, my closest friends that I'm, my, my group of my circle of friends are people that we look at each other in such a high level of respect, uh, with such a high level of respect. And, um, and they believe in everything that I dream of, you know, they believe in my work. And so number one is have a group of people around you that just that, that believe you, because then it makes the process so much quicker, quick, outline of what my process is let's say if i want to create you know a video or some kind of choreography or 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 a, a show or a number i listen to the song i automatically don't even start thinking about movement i, I think about the tone of the, of the song the tone gives me the world that i want to create within that song and then once i create the world in my brain on that song then i start creating a movement um and then the movement then i uh, i pretty much see the process in my brain. I see the cuts, I see the transitions, I see the color, I see the, I literally see the entire world in my brain and then I go into action. You know? you, All right, cool, I got this idea. Let's, uh, you know, I, 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 these are the cuts that I wanna do. I wanna, I, you know, these are the angles that I wanna shoot in. Um, these are the colors I wanna do. And then once I do that, then, every, then the people that I bring in, then they all start to put in their two cents. Oh, you know, their brilliance, you know? Oh, you know, what if, you know, because then they start to see things that I don't see. I see the bigger picture, mm-hmm. you know. And so, um, yeah, and then they, they, they add in the little details. And, and then yeah. for photo shoots, because it's just your photo shoots are so rich. How, like, how do you come up with these things? Or is it I don't kind even of a know. Team? I don't even know, to be honest. I just started getting more comfortable with photo shoots. <laughs> see, I'm um, just, yeah, it's like themed out. You're lo- like, uh, yeah. Oh, well, you know, I like to, like you said, I'm a storyteller. Mm. I like to tell stories. You look at the world as a whole, you look at society and you look at humans. As artists, we can't look at the rest of society as artists. We can't mm. look at them as people that think like us. When you shift it in the sense of they're human just like me, then you start to compare the things that you have in common as humans. You know, we're visual people everybody's a visual person, which is why a lot of the most successful artists are the most visuals because we are, we're, we get visually, as humans, we're, we're visually stimulating people or beings. Then you think about, you know, just gestures and moments and things that emote some kind of emotion, thought provoking. You wanna have somebody think. You don't, you know, when I, when I go through a process of, of a photo shoot or something, if, if if I want to do something out the box, then I want to think about what do I want the person to think? You want to provoke that sense of thought. Now, um, whatever they think, it's up to them. But at least if you initiate that or at least give them a space for that to happen, then, um, then yeah. I suck at photo shoots. I mean, I know that a lot of pictures are cool, but yeah. you should see me in photo shoots. It's, I mean, I'm getting better now. <laughs> oh, that makes me feel, not that like, it makes me feel a little bit better not to try to put you down because every by the time I need to get photos done for myself, that's the hardest thing when you're just featuring yourself. Usually yeah. the photographer, they're like, relax, don't pose too much. 
please post right. some your face let right. me show you right here what your face looks like and i'm i'm right. just and then i'm like everyone's amazing at this but i suck and then, you know what yeah. Gilly, what what you do is you know it's put some music on like mm -hmm. on photo shoots what i like to do is i put music on and i put so i put music that i want to uh, that I want to feel at the moment. So depending on what kind of shoot we want to do, if it's if they're action shots, then I'll put in some funk music or some house music, you know, because then I can really dance in those moments. And and photographers, I try to work with photographers that that are super easy to work with, that don't expect too much from you, that don't demand too much from the moment, you know, but can also capture the most genuine moments from the shoots. Mm -hmm. Like for example, the 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 clown one was uh the one that you the black and white one mm -hmm. is from i don't know if you can see it but i have a picture up there look at this too. yeah it's a black and white one so mm -hmm. i don't know if you see up there there's that there's yes. a picture up there that i'm a that i have a clown face and it was with rob daly and i was like oh, i kind of want to do this he, he loved the look he was like i want to shoot you in this look and i said okay cool and that's what we did and he's the most easiest photographer most brilliant photographer i've ever worked with the less you can do with him the better and that's something we have to learn because as performers, we always want to be like, ah, here, take this and take that. When you're taking a picture, the subtlety is what captures. Photos tell their own story. Mm -hmm. You know, we can't force the story in a photo. And you have to, and that's something that I'm also work, trying to remember when I take photo shoots is, uh, when I do photo shoots, it's, you know, let, let the moment tell a story. Don't, don't force it down the lens because it's going to look inauthentic. Yep. Last question-ish. We are in a time with so many unknowns. You know, studios that you've taught at have major studios in LA have shut down. And we're like, we're so, we're in it. This is happening in real time. As someone who, I always see you creating. I always see you on jobs and putting your voice out there artistically. Is there a hope, a vision, a something, if you were to pull it from thin air, for the future, something you'd like to share with the dance world as we're all mourning the, the things that are no longer in the dance world. Oh, <laughs> That's a, it's a loaded one. But like, if that you- was, a rapid, was that a rapid fire question, <laughs> The longest, most difficult questions. I guess I didn't do rapid fire today. It just came, it came to me and I, I really felt this as kind of, the closer, and I would say like to pull it from thin air and maybe let it be a super imperfect answer, but just see yeah. what what comes up because I, I we know each other from passing, but your energy is a very hopeful, grounded, real, mm. creative energy. Thank you. I think that that's your answer. You know, is, <laughs> is you, you have to just stay hopeful and creative. The world hasn't ended yet. There's a lot of stuff happening right now that is hindering us from from really doing the things that we're used to doing at a certain capacity. For myself and, and, uh, and, and, and for everybody else, it's, it's about trying to accommodate yourself within your, th these boundaries right now, because you can still be, you can still be brilliant. You can still be creative. You can still, you just have to figure it out. You know, you have to find your voice within this, this, this strenuous moment. Um, and, it's a hard time for everyone because it's, you know, we all have to live. We all have to make a living. We all have to work. We all have to make money. We all, we have to put food on the table. We have to have a roof over our head. In order to do that, we need to make money. And for a lot of people, it's that, that work or has ended. And so look for myself, I have 
worked for 20 years planting so many seeds that, you know, uh, fortunately right now they all, they've, they've all been coming to fruition. Um, you know, the work just hasn't been what I've been doing now. I'm fortunate right now because I have been working for so long and all the things that I have wanted to manifest in, throughout all the years that haven't manifested are doing the work now. You know, they're manifesting now. Any examples? And so, just, you know, um, just even just the teaching. Um, you know, I've, I've taught for so long and I've tried to get my foot in in this, in this world to be respected as, a, as an educator and amongst the, the pool and the sea of people that are doing it as well and, you know, the popular ones. And ever since it's happened, I've, I haven't stopped teaching. And, uh, and I've been teaching more now in the last couple of months than I've had probably in the last year, two years before that. And that's just a true testament on, on all those seeds that I planted. Staying true and authentic to yourself. You know, I'm a firm believer in if you stick to who you are, then, you know, people might not get it now, but if, you're, if your intentions are pure and you stick to who you are for when you come back full circle and they meet you again, hey, what's up? You know what I mean? Ah, oh, it's just, it's, I've been very lucky. I've been very lucky. I got to say, I've been very lucky and I've been, I've also worked my ass off to get to this point. I have, I've really worked my ass off. And, and to every artist out there that is struggling, I would say, keep your head up. We possess a power that nobody else has. We can escape to a place that a lot of people wish they could. Um, you know, we, we can create worlds in an apartment if we wanted to. And that's what I've been doing too. I grab my camera and I like pick a corner of my apartment and I like create. You know, it, it's, it can be as simple as that to me. Simple as that. Mm -hmm. One, you're going to, by continuing to do things like that, you're going to be in a better mental state. By doing things like that, you're going to, you're going to start to learn what makes you tick what makes your work tick. And then you start creating content. You know, like even just me freestyling, I'll, I'll put the camera by the doorway and I freestyle and I put it up. Why? Because I, I want to do that. I want to dance and I want to show the world that I'm still here and that I'm still, I'm still kicking it. Do you know what I mean? And so it's hard and it sucks. It sucks. It really does. But we can get through this. What hurts me the most is, is the kids because I don't think they should be going through this, to be honest. They should be, they should be kids. You know, they should be able to do the things that we were able to do and what they started to do. You know, and now they're not able to do that. And so if you want to do something, think about them. You know, think about what you can do for them. Think about what you can do for those people that are having a hard time. Be creative in that sense. If you can't be creative in your little world, then be creative for them. What can you do? What can your artistry and your creative mentality can do to make the world a better place in this state right now. Yeah, it's just a change of perspective. Yeah. Just a shift. You're not ending anything. You're just starting something new with what you already possess. That's beautiful. I'm gonna, that's so beautiful. I'm just gonna <laughs> like float into a cloud now. Thank you. And how can people follow you, support you and what you're up to? Um, well, Okay. Shameless plug. Please be very shameless. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You know, that's what we're living now, right? Um, so you can follow me on Instagram 
at Noel Bahandas. It's N-O-E-L-B-A-J-A-N-D-A-S. You can go to my website, www.noelbahandas.com. And everything is actually attached on my website, um, my social media, the whole nine. Um, I post everything on my Instagram. You know, I have a lot of my work there. I have my company also called New Genevieve. So you could, um, uh, you can go on at New Genevieve, N-U-G-E-N-O-V-E on Instagram. And there I put on my content as well. And, um, and yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> you just, I can't stop. I can't stop smiling. Your energy is so beautiful. Jeez. Thank you, love. It's oh been too God. long. And I know. thank you for taking the time for being down to dive in and have me ask you a bunch of questions. You had no idea what I was going to ask or where I was going to go. I like it. it. I love yeah. it. You know, I, I, I love, I love not knowing what I'm going to do. Always. I'm a freestyler. I grew up a freestyler. That's what I am. I'm a freestyler. This makes sense now. I mean, this also makes sense the way that I do this. Because if I, if I'm like, bap, 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 it's, it's a little bit boring for me. And I don't want it to be boring. I want to be like exciting for us. We're improvers. You know, it's, we flow with whatever it is that's, whatever the air, the energy is around us. We, we react to it. We're reactors. Yes. If it's too, if it's too structured, I'm like, okay, I can do this. Um, I hope to see you soon. I hope I get to, I hope we are in a time and a place very soon where I can give you a hug and reconnect yes. and be like, no, Absolutely. <laughs> and you know, and one last thing, you know, yeah, I, sure. and this for anybody who's listening is, and I say this to everyone, don't take life too seriously. Be serious about your life. Just don't take it seriously. Remember to always have fun, you know, because if you have fun with something, you're always going to want to do better at it. You know, it's, it's so have fun, enjoy whatever enjoyment you can possibly get out of any situation, uh, especially now, you know, just have fun with everything and, and, and follow your passion immensely. If you love something, do it. It won't hurt by giving it a try once, twice, three times, you know, and until you get to a point where, you know, you go, okay, maybe it's time to try something new and that's okay. Oh, yes. Listen, this doesn't have to be the last interview, okay? Just just know that. <laughs> this is not the okay. end. So what we do? What we do the next one? I'll punch it in. Thank you for listening to this episode. Let us know what you think. Be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. Subscribe. Share with a friend. Follow us on Instagram at Dance Speak Podcast. If you are interested in our internship opportunity and you are a strong communicator and writer, send us an email, dancespeakpodcast at gmail.com to make sure that you get all the information you need for your submission. Remember that outside of dance, I am a certified personal trainer and I am on a mission to make sure that I am providing affordable virtual training throughout 2021 and beyond. So if you'd like to get on my list, send us an email, danspeakpodcast at gmail.com, put fitness in the subject line and say, hey, I wanna know about your upcoming fitness program. You can also follow me on Instagram at gogalit, G-O-G-A-L-I-T. I have some free workouts coming up soon and enjoy the rest of your day, your evening. We have a new episode coming out every two weeks, a library filled with episodes waiting to be listened to by you, and we appreciate you. Peace. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to our Dance Speak podcast. 
For inquiries, suggestions, comments on your favorite guests, or who you'd like to see on the show, please email us at dancespeakpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-A-N-C-E-S-P-E-A-K-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. And check back in next week for our latest interview. Thank you so much. 